0: Ayuban, Wanakam, and welcome to Delving into Asian Psyches, the podcast in which we investigate the pasts, presents and futures of psychology in the, in the pacific My name is Robin Weber and today I'm joined by Gunendra Desanayake from Sri Lanka. Uh, To start things off, I would like to tell you about today's guest. Gunendra is a senior lecturer and former head of department at the University of Peredinia, and she's been awarded several fellow and scholarships in European countries such as Germany and Spain. In her research, she focuses on intimate partner violence, which she explores how it emerges, why it takes place and how it can be helped. Further back, she also investigated the psychological impact of the 2004 tsunami and wrote a book on coping with trauma. She's also involved in the country as she trains health professionals in responding to gender-based violence. And talking of the country, Sri Lanka is also called the pearl of the Indian Ocean, a major trading hub and tea exporter. Its nature records some of the highest rates of biological endemism, and the country is the oldest democracy in Asia with universal suffrage being introduced in 1948 and has seen the first female prime minister in the world in 1960. Sri Lanka is a multicultural society of Sinhala Buddhists and Tamil Hindus with Muslim and Christian minorities as well. Now with that information being given, I would like to turn to the conversation and introduce you to Gunendra. Thank you so much for joining in and being on the interview.
1: Thank you, Robin.
0: Right. So as I've mentioned in the introduction, you are at the University of Peradeniya, and in my Research for this episode, I have learned that this university has the oldest psychology department in the country, which was introduced only in 1990. So, comparatively, quite late. And I wanted to ask you, what are the reasons for psychology entering Sri Lanka only at this time? How were psychological topics being uh, thought about and discussed before this time?
1: All right. So, uh... Even though psychology was introduced, in Sri Lanka it was introduced very late compared to the other sections in the world. But in a way we can say so also because um, we are a country which is heavily influenced by Buddhist teachings. So even though the Western psychology was not practiced or introduced to Sri Lanka, we cannot say that there were no psychological programs or teachings or practices in Sri Lanka, because even though Western psychology was not practiced, Buddhist psychology was here in Peruvianas, it religious institutes, it was taught and practiced. But here I am um, mainly focusing on the systematic introduction of psychological courses into the university system or the education system and that of course happened very late in the student Lankan city so uh, even though it states that uh, proper a standardized degree program in psychology was first introduced in 1990 way before like in 1942 to be exact use of ceylon psychology as a subject was taught but there was no degree a complete degree in psychology but in some departments like uh, philosophy, sociology and education, some courses of psychology were taught. One one major reason for not introducing psychology until late 1990s was there were no qualified professionals to teach psychology in Sri Lanka. So that was, I think, according to my knowledge, a major obstacle which universities faced.
0: I see. So, when you say that um, psychology was also taught before, just in different uh, majors, what would you say has changed in the teaching and maybe also in the ways of doing research about psychology? Also maybe is, is there a specific reason why it didn't uh, take on earlier and get an own department in earlier time?
1: Psychology was not practised or introduced or taught in a very standardised formal way. So basically it was there, but formally it was not in the education system until it was introduced into the formal education system. So maybe there could be different reasons of course, like no qualified or properly trained personnel, the context of the situation in the country was not very knowledgeable that psychology as a discipline should be introduced to the country. The public perception also, uh, the demand for psychology to be taught, given, I mean, being compared with mathematics or science and so on. So there could be many reasons for hindering the emergence of psychology until this time.
0: Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And if we look at the research side, maybe also uh, for a second, in these uh, 30 plus years that psychology is now uh, really established in Sri Lanka, what would you say has been going on in this field uh, since then? How far has it come in this time?
1: Yeah, at present, of course, I think you're correct. It has come a long way since uh, like The research field also has developed, there's a vast improvement, I think, in the field. So, there are many professionals who have gained their qualifications, trained overseas, have come here and have started their research in Sri Lanka. They also now see the importance of uh, this subject, and also there are so many issues people were facing in Sri Lanka, which uh, kind of pushed or led researchers to do their research on several topics. So mostly I think it's um, on the negative stance, of course, right? On uh, the issues, mental health and social issues. But now, of course, uh, I think that focus also is changing to going towards more positive fields and also um, different fields.
0: Right, right. It's nice to hear that also in Sri Lanka, you're getting into this solitogenic phase in research. And before we get into the present, perhaps as you're focusing in your work on intimate partner violence, IPV for short, since South Asia, not only Sri Lanka, this problem is quite widespread. Do you also have some information why this is the case? These numbers are so prevalent in this area?
1: In South Asia? Yes, the numbers are very high, but I again uh, think is a worldwide uh, problem. It's not specifically related to South Asia, but the numbers are, of course, I agree with you, that uh, are quite high. So, there are many reasons, starting from uh, the uh, patriarchal nature of these societies, male ideologies. So, of course, can be like termed or identified as Prominent, significant factors leading to these high prevalence rates of intimate partner violence, uh, but many other things of course. It is not only the attitudes um, among men, but attitudes of women also contribute to the high prevalence of intimate partner violence in these patriarchal societies. Mm-hmm. Even like aspects of course we can find in Many other countries like unemployment or low educational attainment. So, those are widespread identified factors in leading to IPV. So, these are common in Sri Lankan context. And also, mm-hmm. uh, the legal system, the support system, uh, so, when compared to the developed countries, those are very, very different in our, our South Asian countries. Even though the Rates are similar, we say that in Western countries also that the world, um, one in three worldwide, undergo um, intimate partner violence, they are subjected to intimate partner violence, right? Difference, I think, between these two sectors, developed and developing uh, countries, okay, you experience, you, you are subjected to this phenomenon, but then what? so in western countries they have so many options but in south asian countries we have very little so the consequences are even when compared to the western world
0: okay so what i'm really getting on one hand of course uh, you're right that there is no place in this world that has completely Overcome this issue, and it affects all of us in a way. But also, I hear it's very nuanced. That on one hand, yeah, there are cultural issues, but also socio-economic, even to legal and uh, development issues that play all into uh, each other, um, which makes it a very hard thing to tackle, I assume. And perhaps to also bring the topic a little closer. Uh, to our uh, listeners, IPV can be a very broad field uh, that includes also many different forms of violence. And could you maybe also give an overview over what everything is included in this term and how, they, how these aspects relate to each other?
1: So IPV encompasses uh, various types of violence. So basically we can say it's uh, maybe three forms, including physical violence, sexual violence, psychological violence. All these forms are interrelated. That is what I have found. So in Sri Lankan setting, physical violence is very common and very obvious and prevalent. Also, all the physical actions aimed to abuse, hurt another person can be included like pushing, hitting, making injuries and so on. Under sexual violence of course, making a person behave in a way that without the concept of that certain person uh, behaving in an undesirable way like uh, pushing oneself to do sexual acts which that person does not like to do. So, those things can be included under in sexual abuse. In uh, the Sri Lankan sector that is also prevalent but compared to other two forms, I found there, there are two reasons for this low reporting. I guess. One thing would be that form also is very prevalent, but the women are not very willing to expose that because it's very, very personal in it. And in the Sri Lankan setting, women especially are not, or, or maybe are trained to inhibit or not to express their sexual feelings, experiences. Too. So maybe, I'm not very sure, but I suspect that through my experience, that they are experiencing this aspect, but they are not willing to come up with psychological violence, is the most prevalent form of violence in Sri Lanka, also, because there could be many reasons behind that, I will explain later. However, it includes not very obvious actions as in physical abuse, but not that obvious, but very damaging actions like. Simulating, using bad words, monitoring, or suspecting, withholding, affection, attention, the list is very long, of course. So some of these experiences are not taken seriously by others, social support network members, or maybe in some instances police or the counsellors, at some instances, yes because they do not see any direct, obvious damage done through psychological abuse. However, many women who talked to me came out or expressed that it is harder to bear than when compared with physical abuse. So, uh, factors that I want to emphasize was, in Sri Lankan culture, it's um, many Buddhist, Tamils and Muslims come next. So, in Buddhist teachings physical violence from small days onwards is discussed So, there could, this could be one reason, according to my knowledge, this could be one reason why people are big bit reluctant to engage in physical violence. But, psychological violence, because it does not include any direct infliction of harm on the other person, maybe they are Engaging in this form of violence very freely and also the others observers or spectators also tend to take it very easy Saying that okay, you just do not think about if he scores so why why do you have to think about it? Just ignore so he didn't hit you he didn't like he didn't do anything so why why worry so that is the perspective many informal support members were adherent or looking through this phenomena when uh, they were asked of support.
0: I see. I think that is a very valuable information to uh, see it in these different forms that it can place and also how they relate to each other, especially the psychological component which is so often, I'm not sure if forgotten, but surely often underestimated. Looking at your research history, there is also a very rich amount of knowledge that you have gathered in the last years uh, on this topic. And what has been for you the most important takeaways and insights you have gained from your work about IPV?
1: Okay, so that's a very <laughs> good, interesting question. Um, so according to my personal experiences, uh, so as, as it, as we have already mentioned, have explored the prevalence rates and the factors leading to IPV and the consequences. So, what I have found out was the factors leading to IPV, when we compare with other countries, the significant reasons are quite similar, but some are different so one significant uh, factor was attitudes so maybe this is um, this is similar to all other south asian countries also and the other one was social support system these are two very important factors kind of uh, interrelated because whether you decide to support or seek support depends on your attitude and whether you are willing to support somebody also, would depend on the attitude towards that something. So, I, in that stance, I, I, say that these are two interrelated. So, culture, of course, impacts on these two significant factors a lot: the cultural teachings, uh, beliefs, and so on. So, what I found in the Sri Lankan setting was okay. So, all these factors: low SES, low, low education, level. No, like no independent income so with all this okay you come to a point so many women that i have worked with interviewed even though they were going through a hell lot of chaos very few wish to go for a divorce majority do not like to go away they do not want a divorce. what they want is okay Please change the man. So that is what have, I have been listening. Please change the man. I don't want to go for a divorce. I want the man back and a happy time. But sadly, it is not happening. It is not happening for many reasons. One thing is there are so many lapses in our existing social support system, because of cultural reasons, because of attitudes and so on. So not many are willing to help. And even though they are willing to help, not many do, do not know how to help. And many are very reluctant to seek help because of social stigma. And uh, so we believe that uh, that you don't like expose your family problems to the outsiders. It's, it's not done. So it comes from um, the practicing religions also. So many women are very reluctant to expose. What they are going through, and even like uh, basically, uh, what they do is uh, not many are very aware of the existing support systems, also, even though there are many. Uh, what they do is they approach the immediate informal members of the family of friends for support. So, sadly, I have observed in many cases, even though the, these informal members of family of friends initially Come to help, but with time they also kind of get away for many reasons. One thing is they are afraid of the abuser or the, the partner of the woman, or maybe they also have this cultural understanding that you should not intervene with others' family problems. Sin is they got disengaged or deviate or get away with when the woman earnestly needs support. So in many cases, what I've seen is that, um, with strong support system, many of these cases can be handled. And also, the thing that women need is to have the man back, non-abusive man. back. Even though there are many uh, better men, like, there are many programs designed for abusive men, actually, in other countries. But in our country, that aspect is in a very rudimentary, basic level. So, the legal system says, okay, you can go for a divorce, you can take the custody of children, or maybe a protection, and so on. But no, that is not what the women or women are asking. But that intervention is not successfully handled in the state government system. Because there are no resources, there are no programs, there are government sectors also, are not spending money to come out with such a effective program, uh, So that I think is a very important, but a lacking component in this whole scenario, which is a must that should be present in dealing yeah. with this problem.
0: Yeah, those are very st- strong points, I think. Uh, you've also already touched on it briefly. Would you also like to expand a little bit more on how uh, IPV is perceived in the general public, is there a conversation about it going on uh, among people or how do you see it?
1: Yes, now I think yes. So media is nowadays used to educate um, um, people about this phenomena that is not right, carries various adverse consequences and that you need to help others and this is uh, not the way to treat women especially. So, this type of awareness programs are compared to last decade. It's now very common, prevalent, and I think it's um, it's making a change in the public uh, perception of IPvS work. But when I get a chance, I usually talk with people, knowing their perspective or the point of view about this phenomenon. When you when you look this phenomena through your male ideology still you see the same picture so many do not see this as something wrong so many still do assign or blame the victim is a woman is the way she talks is the way she behaves is the she's the one who makes the man angry so she should, she, she should know better to behave and so on. But the situation is not as bad as the last few decades, I think, because people are more aware of that and many people are more willing to help now. And also, there are really traditional attitudes that once Sri Lankans were holding on to, maybe because of this globalization, technology advancement and so on, so, divorce is not in earlier days, of course, people wouldn't even think of going for a divorce. But now it's not that type type of uh, thing anymore. Uh, so, they, they are more kind of women, more women are employed and so on, and they are becoming more educated and independent. So, because of so many reasons, I think people are getting more less traditional and they are willing to help. Uh, so earlier, so many, many women, uh, even though they wanted to go for a divorce, their family members, especially mother, father, they were holding her back. So saying that it's a shame. So how can we face the um, society because we have been living in such a respectful life and so on. So those were the attitudes prevailing in the last few decades. But now no longer parents would say, okay, you have, to, if you get married to that man, you have to uh, stay him with until you die. Whether he's good or bad, it doesn't matter. So that type of attitude is no longer prevailing, I think. Uh, people are more broad-minded and they want to help. If that fails, of course, they let the woman to uh, take the decision she likes. So that, I think, is uh, the trend is changing from last few decades, it's a positive yeah.
0: trend. It's nice to hear that there is change in progress. For one more question, I would also like to go into your more practical work, as you're also active in the field training health professionals in how they deal with gender-based violence. And I would also like to hear from you what experience have you made in this type of work? And how do you see things changing there?
1: All right, so through my research actually, what I found out was, even though many women did not like to approach counsellors because of stigma, shame and so on, they were more willing to go seek help from medical health professionals. Because even uh, the Sri Lankan setting, anybody can go to hospital. Nobody would wonder where you go and so on. Nobody would question. So still the stigma prevails in Sri Lanka, and even though you are very, very well-educated, but still then, you are reluctant to go and seek help from a counsellor, maybe specialised to give you advice and uh, help you out uh, to go through this uh, term. So, many have gone to healthcare professionals, but they have not been able to help them or identify that that there is a problem. That these women are subjected to intimate partner violence. So now, of course, the situation has changed. The healthcare professionals are like uh, are trained to identify and provide adequate support to these victims. So I also understood that the healthcare workers could play a major role in the at least in the initial step of identifying and sending them to appropriate help. Uh, Ch- avenues or channels uh, when they visit hospitals because for many reasons um, victims of eye usually go to the hospital to take medicine for headaches, stomach aches and so on. Sometimes it's uh, psychosomatic illnesses and also some end up with injuries and go to hospitals and say that okay This this was an accident, and so on. Like, uh, they never met the husband. So, there are so many incidents like this. So, if the nurses and doctors are aware of identifying these specific cases, then of course, in this initial step, we can intervene and help dealing with or educating them uh, how to deal with gender based violence, specifically uh, intimate partner violence.
0: Okay, thank you so much um, for these insights. I think that's really valuable to hear. Before we come to the end of this episode, I would also have a look on the future outlook of psychology and IPV in uh, Sri Lanka. So since you've been involved in this subject for a time now, when you consider how this work progresses, where do you see um, this whole problematic of IPV going forward, but also maybe psychology as a whole, when you think about the 30 years plus that have happened already, what could be done in the 30 more years to come?
1: So, uh, uh, first I will answer the question that you asked on IPV. So where to go? According to my research experience and understanding, I think that uh, an intervention project or program for men, abusing men is very necessary. The prevailing system does not have that and uh, the legal support systems will not, like it will um, kind of control the happenings but not prevent it. Prevention, that is very, very necessary. And that has to be started with educating children in the school system. So that type of a program, changing the attitudes about male ideologies, bodies how to deal with females and males of course because I is not only like limited to women men also do experience certain yes, sometimes but uh, because of many reasons they, don't, they do not come up with the incidences. Um, for that I think that has to start in school but in Sri Lanka still it has not started. So those two main aspects, I think, have to be introduced in Sri Lankan system if to prevent this uh, traumatic problem. The other question you ask is about where psychology is going in next 35 years, in Sri Lanka especially. So Sri Lanka, we go back to 1990s and 2000, so, we are a nation, we were impacted by a civil war which lasted for over three decades. The tsunami, natural disasters and the Easter bombing, man-made disaster and of course then the COVID. Many traumatic experiences our nation has undergone. It has been very unfortunate but I think people in Sri Lanka are very, very resilient. So, they are kind of surviving well. but. There's more research, of course, at present on uh, the mental health well-being, but more research is needed, I think, on how to increase mental health well-being. But that is also happening, I see. There's more, much interest on uh, mindfulness in Sri Lanka as well. How to spend your day maximum, happily, as you want, is, I think, one important thing the researchers are doing now, that can be recognized as one important aspect of research uh, which began quite recently. So other than that, with this technological advancement, the problem Sri Lanka is facing is like of course other countries, many other countries, addictions, especially for children. So that aspect also is being researched extensively now because it has become a very huge problem. And research is not confined to these areas, but many other areas also, compared to last few decades now, it's, uh, it's quite progressing, I think. It's a very uh, positive thing that we should know.
0: That's a very nice outlook you have on this issue. And the future as a whole, I really wish um, it can progress in all these directions. Now, it is not the last question I had, but it's the last question we can definitely fit in. And I would like to come to the closing remarks, but also give uh, you a chance to, if one of our listeners has become interested in this topic uh, or wants to know more, maybe you can give one of your contacts in which they can reach you. And on on the other hand, if any of our listeners is maybe affected by it or knows someone, what are suitable channels which they can turn to, to seek help in Sri Lanka?
1: Yes, I'll be available. My email is at gurendrati.ac.lk. That is uh, in the university website, of course. You can easily find me there. Uh, the phone number is there. And there are many support systems in Sri Lanka, of course. women in need is a non-governmental organization which mainly handles and supports women who are undergoing IPV. They have been doing a lot and contributed a lot to the field of IPV and they have some shelter homes, hotlines, counseling, legal support and so on. And also there are another few uh, hotline numbers also if people are interested, like they they want to seek help. in. The street and
0: contest yeah yes. wonderful thanks uh, f- for sharing all that um, it's been really insightful. I'm really grateful for all the work you have done and that you have brought to it to a audience here. yeah uh, it's much appreciated Gunindra. thanks for being on.
1: Thank you Robin so it's a pleasure uh, doing it to be with you so thank you yeah indeed.
0: Having- so, this has been it for the Sri Lanka episode with Gunendra Sanayake. We have reached the end for this week, but uh, my podcast will go on in a fortnight when I will have a researcher from Japan on here and talk about their environment and make sure to follow me for that. I will really appreciate it and have a wonderful time until then.